What's up, Shooters Radio Universe? My name is Nick McCone, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast. And this week, Vaughn and I were planning on bringing you our In Your House Degeneration X from December 1997 deep dive. But we're a little busy, so we're going to upload a couple classic episodes here for you. And we're going to bring you that deep dive on In Your House DX next week. So stay tuned. That's a Patreon request. And if you have any Patreon requests of your own, go to patreon.com slash shooters radio to sign up. Let us know your request and we will dive deep into it. For this episode, it's our In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings from December 1995 Deep Dive. It is now time to deep dive into In Your House 5 from December 17th, 1995. Not buried alive, but season's beatings. You see what I'm saying? I tried to rhyme that there and it didn't really work like out. Like it didn't that, really work actually. out at the end. I lost track of it. But are you ready, sir, to deep dive into season's beatings? Uh-huh, no, that's right. <laughs> I might have to use that every week. It's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's pretty good. Do we have an intro loaded up for this show, or can I just jump right into this? It's Hell yeah. Special time of year, <laughs> a time you know of giving, Top hat, a baby. time of joy. But one family not enjoying the spirit of this holiday season is the Hart family. <laughs> At a time when most come together, this family has drifted apart. Bret Hart, the reigning three-time WWF champion, puts his title on the line against his own brother-in-law, the British Bulldog. A man driven by the obsession to become champion. A man Brett has never beaten. A man who, in fact, ended the Hitman's intercontinental reign after an epic battle in front of 80,000 frenetic fans at Wembley Stadium three years ago. Tonight, two men stand apart. One family stands divided. Tonight, it'll be more like season's beatings for the Hart family. Bye, <laughs> house. your house. <laughs> <laughs> The soulful house in your house. Snowballs. Snowballs to the door. It's very soulful in your house. It really is. I've never heard it until I I was into the show. I love it. Um, But in your house five, retroactively titled Seasons Beatings, as Todd Pettengill said in the intro, took place on December 17th, 1995. It emanated from the Hershey Park Arena in Hershey, PA. It's only a couple hours west of us here. Uh, Hershey's about like Central PA, right? I don't um, know. I think it's Somewhere Central out there. PA. That's that's where they typically hold like the high school state championships because yeah. uh, it's like middle ground, I guess, for you know west western teams, the eastern teams in PA. Um, but the Hershey Park Arena is a very uh, historic building for really one thing. Not not for in your house five. Uh, no, 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 maybe two things. You gotta no, include no. in your house five now. No, I mean, oh. it's, it is included on the, the arena's Wikipedia page. I'm not going to lie. There you go. But it's really important because it is the same building where Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a single game, which is still to this day the most points ever scored in a single NBA game. Of course, that took place March 2nd, 1962, 
when Wilt Chamberlain helped the then Philadelphia Warriors, and you know, went to 76ers then, they, you know, they're the Warriors and they moved to California and then the Sixers started here, so different thing. But helped the Warriors defeat the New York Knicks, and we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of that game, mind you. So even though that event was obviously more historic than In Your House 5, there were more people at In Your House than there were at that game. There were only about 4,000 <laughs> people there that night. And it wasn't even televised, which is just how it was back in the 60s. But in this game, I look, you know, you know, sports stuff. I got to look up the, the stats. And oh, yeah. Let's go. I found the box score for Will Chamberlain's 100-point game, which I've never really looked up, surprisingly. I thought of, I figured I would have, like, you know, By sought this out least, yeah. years ago. But, <laughs> no, not until I watched the show. Uh, Will Chamberlain, he shot the ball 63 times. <laughs> <laughs> He made 36 shots. Understand, most guys, if you don't know basketball, most guys aren't attempting 30 shots. He made 36 shots. Remember it was a big deal when AI would shoot 30 times in the game? Like, oh, my God, he's such a ball hog, even though he was the best player on the team by far. But, Will, 63 attempts from the field. He went 28 of 32 from the free throw line. He got 25 rebounds and only two personal fouls. All right? His teammate, Guy Rogers, 20 assists. I'd imagine most of those went to Will Chamberlain. <laughs> no one else in the team had more than 17 points. Because we won the game 169 to 147. Ooh. So, of course, <laughs> the rest of the team only scored 69 points. So that's nice. Nice. It is nice. Nice. Uh, the Knicks somehow had three 30-point scorers. And still lost this game because <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> stop Will. Will they had even a guy off the bench score thirty points, right? I looked up the score by quarter. Like what he did, he had twenty three in the first, which is absurd off top. Uh, Eighteen in the second, and then in the second half, just something. Just he just got he's went off. Okay, twenty eight points in the third quarter, then thirty one points in the fourth quarter. I guess they were like at this point, like let's get him the ball a lot mm, so he can yeah. get a hundred. And does it didn't matter? They were probably putting the whole defense on him. Didn't matter. Hundred points. He took twenty one shots in the fourth quarter alone. That's crazy. Then how you have time? There wasn't a shot clock back in these days, by the way. No. So to get twenty one shots up in a quarter is stupid. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure they have a shot clock back in '62. I can look it up, but I'm willing to bet they didn't. Uh, if they did, okay, but. I know they didn't have a shot clock in college basketball until like the late 80s. Yeah, right. Because when Villanova won their first championship, they only took 10 shots in the second half because there was no shot clock. So there's that. Uh, but uh, on this night in 1995, there were 7,289 people in attendance, according to. Screaming fans. Screaming fans. 360 degrees around Bret Hart. <laughs> That's what Vince McMahon said at one point. But. That's according, of course, to good old Wikipedia, which, again, has never, ever, not once, let us down. Uh, of course, this is coming off the back of Survivor Series, which we did a couple weeks back. So we're kind of familiar. You know, you're all up to speed on what's going on right now. Diesel's pretty much a heel or a tweener. Uh, British Bulldog is getting his title shot. Undertaker's chasing Mabel around. You got it. You know, we, we know what's going on. Uh, we got the opening video package. And, of course, we got Vince McMahon yelling his way. Through another intro, <laughs> and he's joined alongside Jerry the King Lawler, who just got a new contract from WWE for some reason. Don't know why, but he's still there. 
Uh, Vince hypes up the main event, which of course is Bret Hart defending the WWF title against the British Bulldog. And he hypes up Santa Claus, who will be in the building. And he's acting as if Santa is like the big drawing card, which for this time period, he was probably the biggest star in the show. Stop <laughs> he, you know, he, they didn't have much else to, like, to go sounds to. Sounds like you're disparaging him, Vaughn. No, I'm disparaging WWF. <laughs> Santa is a big draw in any time period. <laughs> Santa is a big draw in any time period, but especially in December of 1995 for the WWF. He made multiple WWF appearances. I'm surprised they got him. You know, 92 <laughs> Survivor Series, 93 Survivor Series. Man. 95 in your house. Man. They was booking Santa like crazy. <laughs> Look at him more than Barry Horowitz. Santa deserves a push, man. Got to get that push in December. Right. The December push is important. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lawler also teases a big surprise for everyone later in the show. Big surprise. Ooh, can't wait for that. Uh, and he said he, <laughs> the only present he gets to Vince McMahon is a going away present, but Vince has to do his part first. So that was pretty funny. Um. So the opening match at In Your House Five is a tag team match. A tag team match, player. We got the One Two Three Kid and Psycho Sid, the part of the Million Dollar Corporation, of course, teaming up to go against Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty. Of course, remember. I'm going to make this a tag team match. Pretty much, this will be on SmackDown these days. Teddy, it was already a tag team match. <laughs> right, but this is on pay per view now. Uh, of really? course, you remember. Uh, Survivor Series and Razor Ramon being upset with mm. One Two Three Kid destroying TVs and having uh, the the Bone Street Crew hype him up in the back like yeah man you ain't <laughs> he ain't nothing man you Razor Ramon man he ain't got nothing on you brother like doing all that well it's time to finally put up a shut up for Razor Ramon and One Two Three Kid in the ring in this tag team match but before that they played a clip from Survivor Series and what happened. But they mentioned it was courtesy of WWE Coliseum Video. And it just so happened that this week, or last week, I believe, that news broke that WWE is ending its home video production after 40 years. Yeah. Did you, that's, how about that? Uh, so weird to me. Now everything's going to be digitalized, and I don't know if I like that. Well, I'm surprised it took this long, honestly. Because <laughs> who was really buying Completely? these DVDs I mean, and Blu-rays? I mean, people still like... Physical copies of media, and I get it, and they I do. know there's value there, but, but there's clearly expen- not enough value. It's expensive in to produce that stuff. Do you well, get a return on your investment? Yeah, I'm like, God, they're rich. Who cares? I mean, but still, they're going to try to save money wherever they can. I mean, yeah. that's why they fired like 70 wrestlers, <laughs> like <laughs> that was actually on TV. Yeah, I'm surprised the home video division was the first thing to go, that's which true. is sex for whoever the division they suddenly. Uh, but I mean. It, Apparently, it's only like really in the U.S. and Canada, um, but like the U.K. They, I think they're still doing some stuff over in the U.K. in 2022. Mm. But I mean, they, this was a big money maker back in the 90s, obviously in the 80s into the 2000s and 2010s. Like I remember 2013, they were still making yeah. DVDs like monthly. It felt like stuff like that. I bought. Yeah, you know that was part of my collection. I had this is. The LOD DVD Network. Mr. Perfect DVD, you know, Ric right. Flair's couple DVD collections and stuff. You know, I was I was buying all that. I mean, I, I, it was very uh, 
you know, the design too, like just having the physical oh, yeah. copy of the box, like they made it stand out so much. It's like, man, I kind of just want to get it and not even watch it just so it could be like part of my collection and look really awesome there. Like I didn't even right. watch most of them. Not, I, I, didn't, I shouldn't say that, but I didn't watch all of them. I didn't really get into the, to the buying of it, the purchasing of the DVDs or the videotapes, uh, but I vividly remember wanting the WrestleMania box that they were selling, I think, before WrestleMania 16, where it was like every WrestleMania ever to that point. I was like, man, that would be dope. Um, but when I started you know, covering wrestling for Philly.com or Inquire.com back in 2012, 2013, WWE would send me the DVDs. So I got like Mankind's or Mick Foley's DVD they did like around that time period. And I remember it came in a sock. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Socko, you're talking about the presentation of it. Like, the presentation yeah. was dope. Yeah. But that takes time and money. Like, I got the War Games DVD. Uh, I got an In Your House DVD, In Your House compilation. So uh, some were pretty cool, obviously. Uh, I think it was a 50 years of the WWE Championship. There was a Triple H DVD that came out around that time. I got all of those somewhere. I don't know where they are. But, yeah, but how many people were buying these back in... You know, nowadays, like they're not. They just it just can't be the case, right? You would think. I guess. Yeah. So it just doesn't make any sense to keep it going. But, uh, but as far as this particular match, I noted that all four of these guys have been through a hell of a lot during their wrestling careers. <laughs> One, two, three. Kid had his addiction issues, which he's you know he's doing well for himself right now. He's so he's good. But Marty Jannetty, come on now, he's had all kinds of issues. Still having them. I'm willing to bet. Remember we talked about like somebody making somebody disappear a couple years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so what the hell is Marty Jannetty talking about? What? Marty. Yeah, then Razor Ramon has had his addiction issues, and he's had some stuff come out about him recently with the whole Plane Ride from Hell episode of Dark Side of the Ring. That didn't paint him in a positive light at all. And then you got Sid, and he stabbed a guy. <laughs> yeah. Stabbed Arn Anderson. Two years before this. Right. Jeez. That's why he left WCW. Because he stabbed a guy with scissors. <laughs> so, yeah, all four of these guys, very controversial figures in uh, pro wrestling. Uh, I've noted that Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty had matching leather jackets for some did, reason. Man. That was great. That was weird. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know it was about like that. The Heart Foundation wannabes or something. Yeah, they look weird. I didn't like it. It wasn't, it wasn't necessary. Uh, but speaking of controversial. Mm. We get a shot of Gold Dust sitting in the stands, eyeing up Razor Ramon. And I feel like this would be very controversial today. It was kind of controversial back then, but I think for different reasons. Yeah. Um, because, oh my God, a man sort of lusting after another man. Oh, bizarre. <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was, the story was bizarre and how it painted Gold Dust to be kind of a villain. And later he'd send Razor Ramon a note. And Razor Ramon be like disgusted and angry about it. It's like yeah. he's trying to fly to you, bro. <laughs> he likes you. Just say I'm, you know, yeah. no thanks, and that's it. Exactly. I'm gonna beat him up for it because he likes you. Like, he thinks you get all the machismo. That's called toxic machismo. Hmm. Hmm. Follow me. Todd. He's talking in movie quotes. It's weird. Are you here for an affair, sir? The Graduate, 1967. 
Look at him. Oozing machismo. Toxic machismo. That long, wavy, jet black hair. That masculine, muscular, <laughs> hairy what? chest. Oh, that is a man. Oh, yes, indeed. Ted is 100% fine. What line is that movie from? What line is that movie from? His style, his elegance. But before. But before. Yes, indeed. Yeah, something. That didn't really make sense. Sea of life. He's <laughs> <laughs> waxing poetic right now. This this naughty one up there, this bad guy, Razor Ramon. Could you be so kind as to give him this? This is when he gives Todd the envelope, the golden the go- envelope. A gold envelope, obviously. Yeah. Everything Gold Dust touched was golden. <laughs> and then he says, "What?" <laughs> That's that actually happened, right? I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. More for that. More on that coming later on. But yeah. the match itself, uh, Marty and Janetti and One Two Three Kid started off. They were moving at a Sid very fast kid. pace. Love that name, Sid and the Kid. Yeah, yeah. They were a pretty good tag team. Uh, Razor tried, almost got his hands on Kid. He did for a brief period of time, but eventually, uh, Kid tagged in Sid, and he went to work on Razor. And remember we talked about a Survivor Series 96, how Marty was limping around and just wasn't himself? Yeah. Well, this is what Marty looks like at full strength. In this match, he was on his game. Mm-hmm. Like, for all the wild stuff that Marty Jannetty has done, it's one thing he always did right was wrestle, for the most part. He could work. He wasn't necessarily, like, super duper over, but he could work. So we can give him that much yeah. credit. Um, but out of nowhere, Razor Ramon beats Sid with a bulldog from the like the top yeah. rope or the middle rope. Yeah, Random. Which I, that that kind of surprised me that they just let Sid get pinned like that. Mm. Uh, Razor Ramon tried to give one, two, three, Kid the Razor's Edge after the match, but Sid managed to drag Kid out of the ring and lived to fight another day. Meanwhile, Goldust is in his private box, getting all hot and bothered by what he saw. <laughs> Again, more on that later on. Uh, but back to Sid, Kid, and Ted DiBiase. They storm back to the superstar line, and they are upset. And they're yelling into the phone and all this stuff like that. But, you know, that doesn't matter. Nope. We're moving on. Go ahead. Are we going to say something? I was going to say, nope, doesn't matter at all. I was like, oh, nope. the superstar line plug. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> moving on to something we mentioned <laughs> at Survivor Series 1995, and I deep dive on that, was... The ring announcer, Manny Garcia, because I, I, I heard him, I think it was during Undertaker's entrance at Survivor Series. I was like, who the hell is Manny? Who's who's doing the ring announcing? And I looked it up. It was Manny Garcia. And then the, one of the first things that popped up was a massive blunder that he made on this here show. I was like, what? Who the hell? And watching it in, with, in this proper context, it makes this mistake even more egregious. <laughs> so I'm sure you got that queued up. Right now. This contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, from Knoxville, Tennessee, weighing at 230 pounds, 
Nature Boy, Buddy Rodell. <laughs> what? what in the world is going on here? <laughs> I don't think he has any idea what he's doing out there. Seems Yikes. Some confusion all brought about by you-know-who out there. Okay, sure. Go ahead now. I got, a, I got a big surprise. Wait a minute. Sorry about that. You get out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and he you never, get out of the ring. You never saw him again. <laughs> so... Buddy Rydell, as Manny Garcia called him, Rydell. was supposed to be Buddy Landell, but he's not supposed to be even in, be in this segment. He forgot. <laughs> so I didn't know the order. Like when I watched that clip on Twitter from the OVP Retro Wrestling Podcast. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. I didn't know the context was. So I just heard him butcher the name, and that was it. <laughs> but didn't know that he wasn't even in the right segment. <laughs> because Buddy Landell... Wasn't in this. He's in the next segment for the next match. Yeah. But for this, this was Jerry Lawler supposedly get on, getting on the mic and revealing his surprise. <laughs> like, <laughs> and his surprise was a returning Jeff Jarrett, who had a short stint with the USWA. No, no, we don't clap. We don't clap for Jeff Jarrett. He's terrible. Oh my god. Good podcast, Jeff Jarrett, but all time terrible fits during this time period. Like, I don't know what, bro. J double F. <laughs> Ain't he great? <laughs> Greater oh, than great. Great, right. That's a new album. <laughs> That's a new CD. The, the first CD, though, Jerry Lawler. So Jeff Jarrett comes back. He does his strut. Okay. And Jerry Lawler gives Jeff Jarrett a gold CD for selling more than 500,000 copies of his first album, which I don't think. Is a real thing. <laughs> That's a lot of albums to sell. Nobody gives away gold CDs anyway. They give away gold albums, even till this day. <laughs> it's gold albums, not CDs. Um, and then Jeff Jarrett announced that he had a new album on the way. So he's he telling people that this new album's going to drop. People had to cop that, what they were not going to do. <laughs> and then he declared himself as the as an entrant into the 1996. Royal Rumble, which I hate so much when WWE just says, go declare yourself for the Royal Rumble, and that's it. It's like, wouldn't anybody just do that? Wouldn't, like, who would stop anybody from saying, I'm in the Royal Rumble? When you went on a field trip in school, you needed your mom to sign a permission slip, right? Man, get the hell out of here. So, wrestlers, I'm assuming, just enter off this envelope uh, permission slip, and if Finn signs it, then... They can sign, so Vince signs it. Okay. Yeah. No. It's it's lazy as hell. And why not make your matches on TV leading up to this point mean something by having qualifying matches, which they have done. Yeah, I think they, they started doing it, what, a few, like the during the Attitude Era, I think. It was really like, something like that. qualifying. Right. Or Rumble qualifiers started. I don't remember it before, before that, but I mean, they the only qualifying matches I remember are for like King of the Ring and stuff. But At, they were having, in this point. They've had qualifying matches for Royal Rumble, King of the Ring, and even Money in the Bank matches. Yeah. But for some reason, they just get away from that. And now they just announce guys for all those matches. The, the Royal Rumble, I declare, I do declare, I am in the Royal Rumble, sir. Whack. People just, they just show a graphic on screen that says, hey, there's the Money in the Bank participants. It's like, oh, okay, well, there that is. Mm-hmm. And now I guess they're going to just 
suddenly hate each other because they're in the match and they're going to do promos with ladders all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> and the same thing it can like King of the Ring and everything else, man. It sucks. Yeah, it could literally carry weeks of your television. Like, right. Uh, so I don't understand like why they don't... They never like dove into it. They did it like here and there back then. Uh, really, like I guess the first King of the Ring, uh, you know, the qualifying matches were like superstars and wrestling challenge and you know Raws, and you're you're getting invested. You know, Mister Perfect and Doink had to wrestle three times to qualify for the tournament because they kept drawing each other. Like that type of stuff was cool, <laughs> and then they right. just got away from it. Like, uh, and those matches meant something every week. Yeah, instead of doing rematches for just for the sake of it, which is what they do today. This rematch means something. It was a draw, but now something's still on the line. Let's do it again. Okay, let's see. We've got to have a winner. Instead, we get, I do declare <laughs> here on this day in 1995, <laughs> I am entering the Royal Rumble match. It's trash. <laughs> Big trash. But Jeff Jarrett, that's what he did. He declared for the Royal Rumble, and he then he joined the commentary team for the next match, which was supposed to be Dean Douglas versus Ahmed Johnson. But Dean Douglas had a quote-unquote injured back and had to pull out of the match. He said the doctors advised him not to compete, even though you know it's only at 65%, but his 65% back is still good enough to beat Ahmed Johnson. But the doctors were like, no, 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 don't do it. So he listened to the doctor's orders and sat out but, and then introduced his graduate student, Buddy Landell. <laughs> Not Buddy Rydell. <laughs> Buddy Landell. A graduate Nature Boy. student. Ugh. Nature Boy Buddy Landell, who came out to Ric Flair's first like WWF team? Probably. I, that sounded like it. it. It was close. If not, if it wasn't that, it was definitely near it. So. It sounded like Ric Flair's first WWF team. When they didn't use 2001 A Space Odyssey, they had like their own version. So naturally... Pun intended. That's what Buddy Landell used. Uh, but poor Buddy Landell, he needed to go back to school because he got beaten like 25 seconds by Ahmed Johnson with a Pearl River plunge. Uh, Jeff Jarrett didn't like Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Honestly, made him sound racist. But <laughs> I'm not saying Jeff Jarrett is. He just up and disliked this big black guy for some reason. Um, and he's out here doing country music and I do declare. I was like, all right. <laughs> And but, Jeff was gone for what five months, and he just comes back, and then this is his first thing he does back on TV. It's like after right. losing the Intercontinental Title to Shawn Michaels, it's like, man, what, what is this? What's going it's on? Weird. But there's more, because Vince told Jerry Lawler to interview Ahmed Johnson. Jerry Lawler obliged, only with Jeff Jarrett being there, obviously. Yep. Um, Jeff Jarrett was talking trash. Jerry Lawler's talking trash. They pretty much called him stupid. And then, well, first, Ahmed Johnson got on the mic and sounded terrible. Let me tell you something, you achy, breaking heart wannabe. You fake! You are fake cowboy! You are urban cowboy, you know that! What? You are achy, breaking heart wannabe fake punk! Not good. Achy, breaky heart wannabe. Which achy, breaky heart was like... Dude, that Massive was hit. the jam. The jam. Right. Billy Ray Cyrus yep. was, I was a bop. <laughs> then he came back with another bop with uh, Lil Nas X, Old Town Road. Like, yeah, yeah. 
know what I'm saying? So Billy Ray Cyrus, shout out to Billy Ray Cyrus. But but what the hell is Ahmed Johnson talking about, bro? You a urban uh, cowboy? You punk? Fake? Want to be fake? Uh, like, I mean, what? he was right. I mean, he was a fake <laughs> cowboy, but who is a cow- cowboy these days? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Maybe the I mean, Dallas Cowboys. On a ranch. Well, I mean, they were on their way to their Super Bowl, so I don't know. Whatever. Maybe he's trying to get heat. Now that you mention it, hold on a second. When did we beat the Cowboys 95? <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I ain't want to say nothing. That's the Oh, thing. we beat them seven days prior. How about that? December 10th, 1995. Ooh. I wrote a story all about it on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Go check it out. Interview Bobby Taylor, Calvin Williams, Merrill Reese. Go check it out. Is that the game Actually, that might have been a 96 game. I remember I was watching the highlights, and I wasn't watching the Eagles back then, but I was watching a highlight from Dallas, and someone, like, literally, I didn't realize you could do this in football, but uh, an Eagle took the football from a Cowboy. Like, I always, I didn't know the rules, so I thought, like, interception or fumble, whatever. I didn't realize you could just basically take the ball if the player's not down or whatever, and they're still, like, running or whatever, and one of the Eagles, I think, took it from the Cowboy and ran it in for a touchdown or something. That I think great. the game you're referring to wasn't 96. That was Troy Vincent, pick six at the end of it, and like, it helped us it win was the game. Pick. It was a pick. Did yeah, he, but did he take it like from a Cowboy? Uh, Do I don't recall, Maybe but it was a long return. But the game I wrote about was the year prior, and that's when prior, we stopped yeah. him on fourth down twice. That, wasn't, that was Kelly Green, right? Yeah. That, well, we actually Green. wore white at home that day at, at yeah. the vet. And we stopped them on fourth down. That was when they went for on fourth down, but they called the timeout before the snap. Oh, but we yeah, stopped right. them on the play Got that they actually ran. They came back and ran the same exact play. Same one. And we stopped them again. <laughs> oh, so memories. all they needed was a yard, man. They should have been able to get it. But that's besides the point. <laughs> the point is that Ahmed Johnson, what the hell was he talking about? Let me tell you something, you achy, breaky heart wannabe. What? Fake. <laughs> you fake. You're a fake cowboy. You fake a fake cowboy. cowboy. You know that. You are achy, breaky heart, wanna be fake punk! <laughs> fake <Santa>. punk! <laughs> what? Stop disparaging Santa. Okay. You know, what the hell he was talking about? He was talking about Santa. He didn't help his cause at all. And then they made him actually look stupid when they hit his dumb ass oh, over the head with a God. CD. With the CD. Dude, they hit him in the head like a bunch of times. like, And it looked stiff. How did he not see it coming, though? He's standing right behind you, bro. Like, don't let him stand behind you like that. Jeff, Jerry Lawler even told you, hey, step up here a little bit. Let me get this good angle. Like, he's clearly setting you up, bro. I saw that coming from a mile away. Come on. Let's get it together. Where was Manny Garcia? I don't know. Getting like, fired? Hey, Ahmed. <laughs> he would have called him Ahmad or something. He would have called him Tony Norris. Ahmed Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> yeah, Ahmed Jenkins is like a perfect, just perfect for what he did with like Buddy Rydell and Buddy Landau. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Muhammad, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's not here. 
He's at Super <laughs> Brawl or Fall Brawl, whatever he's at. And no, was it <sighs> what, what show he's at in WCW? Oh, I can't Halloween remember. Havoc. Halloween Havoc, ninety five, ninety four, ninety four. That's yeah. right, ninety four. Yeah. Hogan and Flair, ninety four. That's right. That's right yeah. He he wasn't showing up for the Monster Truck match in ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> My was like, no, I won't, I won't be there. He said, oh, the Yeti will be there? No, thanks. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't. Um, even though, like you said, they hit Ahmed Johnson over the head with the CD like 40 times. Uh, Ahmed Johnson just popped up and recovered. It was like, I'm good now, and I'm going to kill you, Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff Jarrett ran away. So smart on him for getting away from Ahmad Rashad. Um <laughs> We get the Razor Ramon promo with Todd Pettengill. Uh, the next night, Razor Ramon was set to defend his Intercontinental Championship against Yokozuna. But before that, that's when Todd Pettengill handed Razor Ramon the letter from Goldust. And Razor Ramon is angry. And like I said, imagine being angry about someone flattering you. At least like... I get it. You know, some people don't want the attention. Like I'm sure like for women, they get hit on all the time and it's annoying and... You know, that's the dudes are trying to flatter the woman, but yeah, it's annoying. But like he wrote him a letter, you could just say, Hey man, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm okay. He, he instead he wanted to fight Gold Dust. <laughs> like have at least bro. written him back if he didn't want to like and give him just say hey just talk to him like, Hey man, I appreciate what you said, but I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm all right. <laughs> and if Gold Dust was cool about it, then we all good. Instead, gotta get angry and fight somebody. That's weird. That's weird. But moving on. We're now moving on to an Arkansas hog pen match. Sweet. Between Henry O. Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We got the Arkansas hog pen match in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> makes so much sense. I remember like the build up to this match. Uh, we can programs would be like oh there's gonna be a hog pen surrounding the ring and all i could <laughs> all lie. i could think about or at, they said like at ringside or something so all i could think about was the fact that the ring mats were gonna have like pigs running around with mud and i was like how <laughs> how are the other matches no they didn't do that like, they did that for the kennel match kennel in the hell match whatever yeah. <laughs> it's like we it's funny they, that show one day they, yes uh, we will we sure as hell will um, they would always try to come up with these ideas. So, like in my mind, I'm thinking like all every day up until the pay per view, and even that Sunday, like how are they going to do this hog pen? Is it going to like what's the? Fr- they're only doing it for one match, but like what are the other matches going to look like? Like, and I'm picturing someone like Bret Hart, British Bulldog, falling into like mud and dirt because <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be like away from the ring, you know, up the aisle a little bit. I. In my head, I thought it was going to be surrounding the ring. So, did you watch the show live? I did. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that too. was a lot of fun. It was. It was great. I'm sure, that was a lot of fun. I'm pretty uh, sure I taped over it uh, with like an attitude error show. Good for you. Good for you. But like, <laughs> I, I didn't appreciate the Brett Bulldog match. Uh, you know. Fair then, enough. So fair enough. I was but, like, yeah, nothing happened. I don't need the hog pad match. So I'm just going to tape over this. Good for you. I'm not mad at that. Uh, we got Hillbilly Jim as a special guest referee. So they paid him some money to just to show up. And he also paid for this damn hog pen in the arena. They actually paid money, spent actual money to get a hog pen and real hogs in this arena. 
This is the same company that was taking the water coolers out of Titan Tower in 95. <laughs> but yet they got these damn hogs and this hog pen and this slop in the arena. Like carved out space where people could have sat. Paid money to sit. <laughs> Instead, they had to get this hog pen in there, bro. What a waste of money. That's why they got to do it nowadays. And this also feels like something that would happen today. We're going to talk more about that later on. Because we, we, we had a conversation yesterday, with, you know, pre-production conversation. And I mentioned that a little bit. But this feels like something that would happen. And I think that Stephanie McMahon had something like this happen to her with um, Vicky Guerrero. Where she got thrown into like some mud or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, that was I've, like the one time yeah, Stephanie McMahon yeah. is made to look bad. <laughs> but Yeah, that's true. Can't really come up with that many times. And then like the Triple H show wedding, and that's about it. Yeah. What a what a what a time. What a time. But uh for those who are unfamiliar, hogs are kind of a like a big deal in Arkansas. Uh especially when it comes to the sports team, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the you know, the college team. Uh, the chant they have uh, for the Razorbacks is "Woo Pig Suey." So, if you hear Henry O'Gowan going "Suey," that's part of the reason why. Say that one more time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I'm gonna clip it anyway. <laughs> I'm not saying it again. Uh, I'll, every time I, th- I hear, think about that chant, I think about uh, who was what the coach? Chant? No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> the Pig Suey chant. I think about. Uh oh man, what was the coach's name who left the Falcons and went to Arkansas before the season was over? Oh, coach at Louisville. Oh, oh uh I can't remember his name now. Wait, coach at Louisville? He coached at Louisville, then he went to the Falcons, and then he left the Falcons to go to Arkansas. Oh damn, I do remember this. It's not that long ago. Bobby right? Petrino. I knew I was gonna say Patino. Yeah, <laughs> close the basketball coach. Yeah, Rick Rick Patino. Who also coached at Louisville once upon a time. That's why when you said Louisville, I was like, wait, Patino? Pa- no, Patrino. Patrino, Bobby Patrino, yep. And it was just like he left with like leaving a note in the player's locker. And then they next time they saw him, he was on TV in a press conference doing the Pig Suey chant for Arkansas. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> and he's done it doing the chant. Like, yeah, I'm committed to Arkansas. And so how that turned out. But um, <laughs> Henry O'Godwin comes to the ring. With two buckets of slop. Not one, but two buckets of slop. He tries to slop Hunter Hearst Helmsley, but he grabs some poor soul at ringside and tossed him in the way. Was and it this guy's. Garcia? It should have been after he said Buddy Rydell. Um, and I'm sure somebody got in the fans, too. So this, I know, this, yeah. That sucks. It's like, That's, man, I, I'm paying all this money to come to a right. WWF event in 1995, and I get slopped. Right, especially front row seats, you yeah. know, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, how much money that would probably would have cost back in 1995? <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> you know, first front row tickets, and you get pick slop thrown on you. That's not good. Um, <laughs> Henry O'Godwin eventually got Hunter Hurst Helmsley tied up in the ropes, which allowed him to shove a whole bunch of slop in Triple H's face. Uh, I forgot. I didn't realize this match took place like pretty much in the ring for the most part. Like it's a lot of stuff happening in the ring, and I guess the whole point was to toss the guy into the hog pen in order to win. I didn't know that ahead of time, so I was like, "Why is this ring happening in the ring so much?" And then you know they were going to be in the hog pen the whole time. 
it would have been bizarre, but it's a hog pin match. I mean, like a, a small ring in there with like the ropes. <laughs> something like if he called it a hog pin match, I want to see the goddamn hog pin. All right, more than for like two minutes. Bring on the slop. All right. Uh, but and it's funny when they would shoot the ring, like they were having the match in the ring, but they would like shoot the hog pen. The hogs are just hanging out, sleeping yeah. in the pen, like <laughs> doing nothing. And the way they would they hyped this match up, they'd be like, "Oh, the, the hog pen's gonna be full of pigs and blah blah blah." There were like, what, like four, three pigs, four, <laughs> four <laughs> pigs, and they were just all huddled together sleeping. Yeah, like we ain't got time for this, bro. <laughs> we tired. There were WCW fans. Probably. It's like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm here to see the cruiserweights. <laughs> um, <laughs> then Jerry Lawler goes off and does this whole Jeff Foxworthy impersonation talking about, you might be from Bitters, Arkansas, and all this stuff. And I guess it was cool because he, you know, he said he was friends with Jeff Foxworthy, and he's kind of quoting him, but it was still stupid. He went off for like six minutes doing it. Yeah. Um, but side note, Jeff Foxworthy made a ton of cash. Off those, you might be a redneck jokes. Like, I'm sure he toured all over the place just off of that one joke. So, shout out to Jeff Foxworthy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. You ever watch his show? The no, Jeff Fox, Foxworthy I show? Did not. Nope. I didn't. No. Okay. See, like the. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. He was the host of Are uh, You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, right? Something like, yeah, one of those shows that nobody watches during the daytime. <laughs> Yeah, that comes on like when you're in, like in the doctor's office, you see it yeah. on. Or like, <laughs> you know, I used to go with my mom to the nail salon sometimes, and that would be on the nail salon. <laughs> it's just on. Nobody's actually watching it. It's just on television. It's just background noise. But um, there's that. Uh, Henry Godwin looked like he had to match one when he is about to like he's about to flip Hunter into the hog pen. But Hunter flipped him into the hog pen instead. Oh, no. And fortunately, none of those poor hogs were hurt by a falling, flying human being known as Henry Godwin. Because <laughs> um, that would have been terrible if he turned. like landed on top of the hog, something like yeah. that, or kicked him or something like that. That would have been horrible. I wonder if they had like a secret person around there to try and like, move the pigs if they, they were... Like something wrapped around their neck or something, so he would pull a string and then he would just (laughs) Just yank him away. (laughs) That would be terrible. And break his neck or something. Uh, Yikes. I'm sure there was a hog handler in the vicinity somewhere. Um, (laughs) You know, those weren't Henry Godwin's hogs. (laughs) They had multiple hogs? (laughs) Not those hogs, at least. (laughs) Uh, they, they went to Hogs R Us and got some hogs from some farm somewhere in probably in central Pennsylvania, not in Arkansas. They didn't get those those pigs shipped up from Arkansas. <laughs> those are some PA pigs, some PA hogs somewhere. Because, um, yes, there's a lot of the farmland here. Hogs. <laughs> Punk. <laughs> the hell is he talking about? Achy, brookie heart. Wanna be you fake hogs? <laughs> <laughs> fake a porky pig wanna be punk? The hell was he talking about, bro? <laughs> <laughs> porky pig. <laughs> it was so stupid. That's a great poll right there. Man, that was so dumb, bro. 
<laughs> it was so dumb. Might need to put that in the intro. <laughs> Porky Pig wanted to. I was going to be like, wait, what is that in context? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are we are talking about? We are mentioning Porky Pig wannabe. Uh, Henry Godwin immediately got his hands on Hunter Hearst Hemsley after the match and dropped him in the slop as well. Like, what? Like, what's the. Okay. What was the point? <sighs> Triple H goes into the slipping and the sliding routine. You know, he's, he's he literally like, can't stand up. He's, you could tell he's like purposely trying to fall oh, yeah. into the crowd. Like, Oh, yeah, he's he's falling around doing the whole big heel move. Oh, can't stand up. So I thought that was actually pretty funny, in my opinion. But the wildest part is that he starts throwing slop everywhere, and then somebody's cup comes flying right into yeah. his face. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, and he just stopped dead in his tracks. He's like, oh, it's time for me to go. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. That drink, like, it had some, some liquid in it still. It did. It, did. it had some weight on it, and that... Yeah. <laughs> Wow, right in his face. That's crazy. I mean, it's probably, man, he's throwing his pig slop on me, bro. I done paid money for these tickets. <laughs> I'm getting slopped after the damn hog pen, Arkansas hog pen match. Ridiculous. <laughs> Moving on, we get a Royal Rumble commercial with a kid watching wrestling with his family. And they're all dressed like they're going to a fancy dinner because it's Royal Rumble, right? That's right. And it's a tie affair. Right, black tie affair, they're just, but they're just there to watch wrestling. But at some point, they all start fighting each other. So it's just domestic violence everywhere in this commercial. While the kid's yeah. enjoying the pay-per-view. Yeah, he's just sitting there being traumatized watching wrestling. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Mo- while mommy and daddy beat the hell out of each other. That's really nice. <laughs> well, you and know. granddad and grandma. That too. Yeah, it's just, it's just hereditary. It runs in the family. Yeah. Multi-generational domestic violence. That's, that's exactly what we want to promote. Stop you disparaging know? Santa. <laughs> uh, but we move on to a video package documenting Diesel's new attitude, which is slight heel turn. Well, uh, I'll say slight heel turn. It's very much a heel turn, but also he's kind of a tweener because if you had the black glove, he was dapping you up. And if you didn't, he didn't bend with you like that. But he still had friends, including Shawn Michaels. He was fighting for his friend's honor. Going against Owen Hart here at In Your House 5. Because Owen Hart put Shawn Michaels out of commission. He concussed him. Made him pass out and collapse after the match. After a match on Raw. Uh, before this show. So, that's why we're here. <laughs> Owen Hart versus Diesel. I'm not sure how many times this match has happened. But this is definitely something. I, I don't think I've ever seen these two guys wrestle before. At least against each other. Uh, at one point, uh, Diesel is in the corner. Owen Hart climbs up to the middle rope to try to punch him, I guess. Diesel pie faces Owen Hart, and Owen takes a mean bump. Yeah. And it falls like on the back of his neck after getting pie faced. Didn't look great. Um, at one point, Diesel hits Owen Hart with the jackknife powerbomb. Seemingly had the match one, but decided to not let the referee count to three. He gets off of Owen Hart. He goes for another powerbomb, but he pie faces the referee, Tim White. Before he hit the move, Diesel was quickly disqualified. Even though he hit the power bomb and and you know whooping ass, but he was disqualified and he lost technically. Good. Even though he was whooping all kinds of ass, it's like they it's like they did they watch this match and then repeat this finish with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and WCW. It was a Halloween Havoc. Was it 97, 98? 98 with the uh, when he power bomb Hall, right? A few times when he was. Yeah. 
you know, tell you he's gonna beat the alcohol out of him or something like that. Oh. I bought a double. It was trash. Yeah. yeah. But he 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 got he got himself counted out. <laughs> but he proved he's the real winner. Not oh, technically, God, yeah. no. Yeah. No. Uh. The one thing I, I thought about coming out of this match was I wonder what would have happened if Diesel had actually stayed in WWF and kept doing the whole black love thing. When he only daps up to people with black loves. Cause this is like a precursor to like the Attitude Era. Except it's nineteen ninety five and they were well, they weren't ready for that at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he's trying to get to that. And they've talked about this in interviews, like we that's, we want to do more realistic storylines and stuff like that. And it took a lot of uh a lot of conversations with Vince McMahon to finally convince him to do so. But here's Diesel in nineteen ninety five being very much uh I wouldn't even call him an anti hero. He's just being an asshole, but he likes certain people. Yeah. He likes the people that likes him. Yeah. And I just wonder like if I wonder if they were if, I feel like if he had stuck around, could there have been you know more and more black love showing up in the audience and could have meant him becoming a more full fledged babyface again. I think so, and I think you would have seen him uh, be a champion again at some point, uh, way before, way sooner than he did in WCW. Yeah, because the the momentum he had, I think, was eventually, you know, and not really like something that WWF really wanted to do, but eventually Steve Austin kind of capitalized on that, on on the wants for like a guy who just didn't give a damn, right? Yeah. People kind of wanted that here. But WWF, again, wasn't ready to give people that. They wanted to give people the straight lace, happy-go-lucky baby face. But, again, a year from now, we see Sid, very much a heel, get the, the coronation of a lifetime in Madison Square Garden. Because people that's what people wanted. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the NWO eventually becomes the top act in the business. They were very much bad guys. So, <laughs> like, so I, I, just, I, just, I just think that that probably could have happened for... Kevin Nash, if he had stayed at WWF, but instead he took the money, which I think most people would have done in his situation, and he, he secured a bag. But yeah, Good it would have been interesting. I remember hating this version of uh, Diesel too. Like, even though he was like, "This is for you, Sean," I'm like, "Oh, yay!" And then he like, he's a jerk though, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm conflicted." <laughs> right, and that, that's the desired effect. I think. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not even what it's not December '95. I just turned ten, so you know I don't know what to think at this point. Right. Well, again, in hindsight, I kind of like this character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he was and awesome. I think part of it is because it was short-lived because he it was only a few months and then he was gone. So right. I mean, it was yeah. like similar, you know, with the NWO and WCW, but uh, in WWF with Diesel and that character. Uh, I definitely think that we look back fondly because it was only there for a short period of time. Yeah, and I think the whole black love thing, I mean, yeah. that could have worked, and you could obviously merchandise it, sell some yeah. black loves. Yeah. Could have had more matches with Shawn Michaels. I mean, the their In Your Heart house match was great. Um, you know, probably could have had a long program with him in 96. I wonder if what happens yeah. is this Bulldog, you know, get that spot still, or does Mankind get that spot in September, or do they just battle the whole year like that it'd been good good storytelling it would have been if he st- stuck in WWF yeah. but it would have been interesting yeah. just uh I believe but uh, another hypothetical that's just you know just a hypothetical yeah. and that's it nothing more um we move on though 
We get a look at Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's on a superstar line covered in slop, which is kind of a funny visual. And then we get Santa Claus, who's out with Savio Vega. Hell yeah. But then Ted DiBiase comes out, and he claims he can buy Savio Vega. And Lawler speculates that Vega's price would be two tacos and a burrito, which is like, damn. And we wonder why he got taken off the air a couple years ago when he said, what, ramen noodle drop or something like that? One of the many things that he said that's suspect on the air. This is only 26 years ago. But back to DiBiase, he is questioning the credibility of Santa. He believes he can buy Santa. He can be bought. And then Vega is like, oh, you can, you're trying to kill the magic of Santa. How could you? <laughs> you know? And then that's, that's what it hit me. And I literally wrote down, like, my God, this feels like something that would happen today. Also, wait a second. Is today worse than 1995 WWF? It's not far off. But the matches are better. But that's about it. The content... I could obviously, I could easily see a segment like this happening on WWF television today. It might happen in the next couple weeks when they do a Christmas episode. Remember the, 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 the Christmas thing with John Cena and Alberto Del Rio, where Del Rio ran over Santa Claus, and it's up to John Cena to like <laughs> yeah. to save Christmas. That <laughs> vaguely, was on Raw, vaguely, but that was on television. How much I retained in the last decade. It was such a ridiculous thing. I remember Del Rio being like sad. He was like, oh no, because he's a heel. And he was like, oh, I ran over Santa Claus. I didn't mean it. (laughs) And Cena being pissed off that he had to fight. He had to fight for Santa Claus and save Christmas. That was on Raw, bro. That was on national TV within the last decade. So this isn't that far off what we're seeing here. That's how bad the current product is. I'm like kind of like having flashbacks to 1995. Or when I watched 1995, I'm like, Man, this feels familiar. This feels like something that happened last week. <laughs> like, not good. But Savio Vega says he believes in Santa. But of course, he has his back turned to Santa. Which <laughs> means he's going to get attacked by Santa. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> That's you, just have your, event. you just have your back turned to anybody in wrestling. They're going to attack you. You should know this, Savio Vega. But you didn't. And apparently, DiBiase bought Santa, which is pretty hilarious to say. <laughs> he, he kept, uh, like, disparaging him. And that's obviously where the events <laughs> stopped disparaging Santa. He called him, like, fat and all this stuff. And then it was just so funny, the fact that uh, Santa attacked him. And then Vince is like, that's not the real Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> the real Santa Claus. Like, Vince sounded like he was legit disgusted <laughs> on commentary. Oh, the desecration of Santa Claus. Oh, my God. What? The real Santa Claus wouldn't do that. Oh, my God. Huh? This is... What? Bro, come on. It was... Really? It was something, man. Really? The desecration of Santa Claus? <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder what he would say to the, to the Eagles fans who do snowballs to Santa Claus back in the 60s. Oh dear God! You're throwing snow and stuff that people still bring up fifty years later, which is just <laughs> sickening, asinine. Get over it, bro. Mm-mm. So eventually, Savio Vega he musters up the energy to attack Santa Claus and knocks off his disguise, revealing 
Balls Mahoney? <laughs> well, we didn't know who the hell he was. Not at that point. Yeah. He was just uh, another wrestler. He still doesn't look like Balls Mahoney to me. Well, he didn't have yeah, the hair. Yeah. yeah. Or the beard. And he wasn't wearing a flannel shirt tied around his waist and, you know, cut off jean shorts. Uh, but that's who it was. Balls Mahoney was playing Santa Claus. Santa Claus. And they spelled it, what, with an X and then a K? Like Santa Claus. And yeah, because he was like the evil twin yeah. brother of Santa who lived in the South Pole or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how stupid he was is that? all these weekend programming for a while like how are you gonna have this character in like june or july like programming <laughs> you can't. unless was, you do like it. christmas in july which is like a thing but yeah well i mean not even in april april you know may like well, <laughs> what were they gonna do the other, the other 11 months of the year what are you we'll gonna give do? you we'll give you two months tops like all right. pretty much and he was like all right i get to work in wwf a little bit and Show off what I can do. If I can wrestle in a Santa Claus outfit, imagine what I can do without it. <laughs> I guess it's an opportunity. I don't blame Naked? Boss Mahoney for doing it. Naked? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Can you imagine yeah. putting like Top Santa like to give uh, Cold Dust letter to him? Can you imagine like they like make Santa like the top heel and he's like the champion all of a sudden, like evil Santa Claus? Oof! I can. That, that's know, not outside the realm of possibility. No, you, know, you know for a fact Vince had to be talked out of that. Because <laughs> right. he was he was doing it. Pat Patterson's like, no but no but that no no no. We cannot do that. People will go banana. That's a terrible Pat Patterson. I apologize. I apologize right now. Maybe Bruce Pritchard, I don't know. Uh, or or Jim Cornette. He was working there. God damn it, can't put the title on Santa Claus, goddamn. That's a little better. Well, could you do Ahmed Johnson? <laughs> Santa Claus is a fake. You're a fake Santa Claus. <laughs> You're not the real Santa Claus. <laughs> You're a Chris Kringle wannabe. <laughs> Saint a... Nicholas wannabe. <laughs> fake punk. <laughs> you have ready savage you, return. You, you, you I don't... South Pole. I don't know about you. <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg introduces him at WrestleMania. From the North Pole, it's Santa Claus. <laughs> With Ted DiBiase. <laughs> oh, my God. This Jimmy is... Hart. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. This is Jimmy Hart with Santa Claus. Hey, baby. Sing that tune for me, Chris Crenn. Come on, baby. I got all the impersonations. <laughs> all this over goddamn Santa Claus. I think my favorite one now is Ahmed Johnson. Like we were, <laughs> we're gonna need to cue that up every week. It's so terrible in that promo. Like what the hell, Ahmed? You wanna be fake punk? <laughs> Icky, and then we just like fill in the blank. Wanna be? What are you talking about? Who fed him that line? You know that's a Vince McMahon line. <laughs> Somebody. Did Ahmed Johnson listen to Achy Breaky Heart? Like, is that his best? Is that his song? I don't know. Could be. Moving on now. <laughs> we now get a video package setting up the casket match between The Undertaker and Mabel. And of course, Mabel stole the urn from The Undertaker and 
turned it into a chain. (laughs) (laughs) And Vince McMahon said this no less than 50 times. He called it through remnants of the urn. Yeah. That's how I found out out what remnants meant. Right. The remnants of the urn. (laughs) You know, said that little less than like 60 times during this uh, upcoming match. Again, casket match. Dana Taker versus Mabel. But for whatever reason, during Mabel's entrance, we get a a promotion for WrestleMania the arcade game from Doc Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like kinda out of left for you. It was weird. But with that said, you remember WrestleMania the arcade game? Kind of, but I did not I don't think I had it for Super Nintendo. Uh I never had Genesis and I didn't have PlayStation until way later, so um yeah, I mean I didn't I don't even think I rented it that much, so not super familiar with it. Well, it was a very arcadey type of game. Oh. It was like the cool. it was like the Mortal Kombat style graphics of like the digitized people. Uh those types of graphics. Mortal Kombat was like I think by this point Mortal Kombat three was out and it was like one of the biggest games in the world, obviously. So they was like, Well let's do those types of graphics with wrestling and they did that. Uh, and it started off as an arcade-only game, but they eventually turned it into a home console game, which is how I played. I, play, I think I played it in an arcade at one point, but I played it on like Super Nintendo. And for like six-year-old me, it was a blast. <laughs> I loved that game. I don't think the critics love it because it's just like I think the, the home port wasn't that great, but I think the people liked the game a lot. Like it was a fun game. You could actually like tombstone people with the Undertaker like actually like turn them into a tombstone or something like that or like <laughs> you'll go do the bonsai drop from like a 30 feet in the air uh I remember Doink the Clown would actually like electrocute people with the buzzer thing the handshake buzzer thing uh Shawn Michaels would kick people in hearts with fly everywhere it was dope <laughs> or Bret Hart I think that might have happened with Bret Hart either way the game was fun uh it was silly and goofy uh but it was a lot of fun so there's that um for the match itself, though, Mabel <laughs> whoops the Undertaker's ass and then hands him off to Mo, who puts the Undertaker in the casket. Okay, step one, oh. put opponent in casket because this is a casket match. But that's only step one. <laughs> Everything was going according to plan, except when they forgot step two. Which is only, this is only a two-step plan here. <laughs> well, I guess three steps. Beat up opponent, place opponent in casket. But that third step was just lost to Mabel and Mo. That third step, of course, is to close the damn lid. And they didn't do it. They just forgot. Mabel puts on his crown, is walking around, doesn't close the lid. Undertaker, of course, he fights out his fights his way out of the casket, beats up Mabel, puts him in the casket, but then attacks Mo. <laughs> You can and literally took, see Mabel kind of like shuffle because he's like, oh, he's going to put Mo in here, so I better make room. Right. <laughs> he literally shuffles himself. He attacks Mo. He slams Mo into the casket <laughs> before he can close the lid. Oh, well, well I said, take that back. Mo attacks Undertaker before he can close the lid on Mabel. None of that phase Undertaker. He choke slams Mo, puts him into the casket. He then gets into the casket himself to retrieve the remnants of the urn before finally closing the lid for the win. So, there you go. Uh, after the match, 
The Undertaker signals that he wants the WWF title. He's signaling he wants the belt. Spoiler, he didn't get it until so, 1997. <laughs> so out of place, by the way. Like, he looks so weird doing that. I don't yeah, know. It wasn't necessarily something I, Undertaker would do. No, like, he, yeah, exactly. Like, he's not a title guy. And while I appreciate him in the main event and wanting the title or whatever, I kind of, when I was watching this back, I was like, he looks so out of place. Like, the Undertaker, that character doing a belt motion around his waist, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Just weird. It was all weird. It was all weird, and I'm glad this match is over. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we got Jim Ross backstage. He's interviewing Jim Cornette, British Bulldog, and Diana Hart Smith. Uh, Cornette says that Bret Hart has always been jealous of J- British Bulldog, who, of course, Bret Hart has never beaten a British Bulldog. That's a big storyline point. Uh, and Diana says she has complete faith in her husband. She's not torn one bit about who she wants to win. She is. British Bulldog. And then the Bulldog said some stuff. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> I'm bizarre. I'm getting the title. And I'm bizarre. And that was it. So, uh, Tyler Pettengill interviews Bret Hart. He says the Bulldog is going down. Probably the own. two most boring pre-match promos I've ever heard. Yeah, it was like, the I didn't greatest. Even clip, I didn't even clip them because they just there wasn't anything good. They weren't the greatest, but, you know, Bret Hart, he's great. <laughs> it he doesn't is. matter. He is. Uh, but it's on. It's the WWF Championship. Bret Hart defending against the British Bulldog, his real-life brother-in-law. Whoa. Really? One thing I haven't talked about, really, is Bret Hart's theme music. Certified bop. Jim Johnston <laughs> did it again. I feel like we talk about him every week now. But damn, it's so good. The guitar riff, the, the bass, like, Bret Hart's theme music, man. It's a toe-tapper, for sure. I love it. For sure. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and every iteration of it. And I like it. No, oh, I don't know. I don't like the current the world. I don't really I guess kinda current. It's the one that if he comes back today, they have this like remix one I don't like. Yeah. It's like fine. the one he started using in two thousand ten when he first came back to WWE. Don't it's like fine. it at all. It's fine. No, and I don't like Natty's music neither, really. It's okay. It's better than his new music, but the original <laughs> classic Bret Hart music, dope. Uh, the Owen Hart music from back in the day. That's good. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I, yeah. And I even kind of like the enough is enough music. Like, I didn't mind that as much. Wait. Oh, I was going to say. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. With the siren in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah not a fan. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, but. Danger. Bret Hart. I don't like Owen Hart Danger. <laughs> danger. I don't like that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. You don't like Nation of Domination, Owen Hart? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was literally uh, like the they're like we want to make Owen a heel again, and uh, that's the only place we can put him because he can't be. Put a him heel with the black guys. Couldn't put him be a heel on his own. <laughs> like mm-hmm. okay. put him with the black guys. They don't like those. <laughs> Moving on to the match itself. Got some ECW chance early on. Because, of course, <laughs> we're not that far away from Philly. Um, so there's some ECW fans out there. I saw a couple of ECW t-shirts as well. Oh, wow. Um, during the match, or I think right before the match, Vince McMahon got a note. Which wasn't something he decided. It was something, something somebody else decided. I guess Gorilla Monsoon, in this instance, 
that The Undertaker would face the WWF champion at the Royal Rumble. So him just signaling that he wants the title meant he got the title shot somehow. Hey, Jeff Jarrett um, can declare for the Rumble, so The Undertaker can declare the main event. I do declare I am the number one contender for this year WWF title. But Diesel also made the motion, and he didn't get it. So what's that about? Because he I lost, do, though. I guess he technically lost that match. I do declare I won't. Give it to me at the Royal Rumble. That's just how I imagine this is all playing out. Um, <laughs> Probably not far off. At one point, the match is going on. It's going just fine. Right, things are going great. Jim Cornette's got his tennis racket cover, his Santa Claus. <laughs> Everything's great. They're they're working, they're working hard. Out of nowhere, Bret Hart is leaking <laughs> like <laughs> everywhere, and I don't think they were blading at this point. So this looks like, and the blood, the amount of blood that he had like the on the mat outside of the ring didn't look like it was a blade job. It looked like he got cut open somewhere inadvertently. I don't know. I wasn't. To- totally sure when that happened i think it happened when he hit the steps yeah when bulldog knocked him into the steps yeah and he like hit the top of his head i thought it was just like a great bump from brett apparently that was not the case <laughs> brett got <laughs> cut open he, he went on the other side and that's when like we see that pool of blood and then davy boy is going like to talk to jim Cornette, and he's looking at the ground he probably yeah. sees all that blood on the other side he's like wait what the hell's this? Like, the hell's going on? He didn't realize Brett was like bleeding that badly, but then you know it just became part of the match. He was leaking, and events because you know they don't really want blood at this point. Well, he gives a directive to the cameraman. Hey, wait a minute. Let's please, if we can, keep our cameras wide. We do not need any close-ups of what's going on with Bret Hart. <laughs> of what's going on? You mean he's bleeding profusely? Just so, say it. There's a funny part of this. The camera work was still a lot better, so I got, I'll give WWF credit there. There was a Nitro, and when uh, I think Steven Regal got busted open, it was like in 97, and uh, it's when Eric Bischoff like took over the commentary table. Like an NWO took over the commentary during one Nitro. I don't remember exactly when it was, but because like he, you could clearly tell like Bischoff didn't want close-ups of the blood. And all it was was like a busted nose or busted lip or something. It wasn't nearly what the hell Bret Hart looked like during this <laughs> match. And literally the whole rest of the match is from the hard camera view. They don't do any angles from around the ring or whatever. You just see them finish the match. And I don't know if it's like – I don't necessarily think it's a WWE edit because, uh, you know, WCW didn't like blood anyway, like any at, at all. So they tried to stay away from it and – so that doesn't surprise me. And it was on Nitro, you know, like cable TV. Or like, you don't want that. Eric Bischoff doesn't want to answer for that type of stuff. So there were, it might have been against Chris Benoit or uh, like Regal and Benoit. Like the whole match was like from the hard cam view. And it was just, it was not, like, I kind of hated it because even though you could see everything, it just, I'm so not used to watching wrestling like that. And all because of like a busted nose or busted lip that WCW did that. So. Even though Vince didn't want close-ups of this match, uh, they still did a better job in production. I think you mentioned that WCW never really wanted blood. and You're right. Like I never really noticed anybody really bleeding on a regular basis in WCW. On accident. <laughs> right, it was on accident, but not like blade jobs, really. So mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Um, so Bret Hart's leaking everywhere. Blood is all over the place. Uh, at some point, 
British Bulldog. Looks like he legit hurt his left knee at some point. So he's limping around. Uh, I think it happened when he jumped off the top rope and did like a headbutt or something. But then at some point, this just becomes a fight. <laughs> Swinging at each other. Fighting each other on the outside of the ring. Bulldog hits a power slam outside of the ring. Uh, he tries to hit one with the, the pads pulled up. I don't think that worked. I think Brett blocked it. Um, Brett launched Bulldog into the turnbuckle. Bulldog went into the turnbuckle upside down, but when he bounced off, he like hit his head on the mat. It's like what the hell? Like they, they just wouldn't. They just getting their asses whooped in this match. Uh, they're not walking away from this one unscathed whatsoever. And after all this brawling and bleeding and back and forth, this match has a very odd finish. <laughs> When Brett just rolls up Bulldog for the win, <laughs> very anticlimactic. Yeah, he gave him like a a, bu- a boot as a, as Bulldog was running at him, and then he just kind of rolls him up with the crucifix. And I think that's the first time I saw that finish used. Uh, I always see like people kick out from something like that, and uh, seeing Brett use the crucifix to pin Bulldog, I was very like uh, confused. It's like, wait, you couldn't it would- beat Bulldog and like more. Uh, I guess more convincingly, like to me, like it's not a, even. It was weird. It's not even like the way. It's just like how it led up to that. It's like there was no like you know we all talked about like how you wanted to end on a crescendo, and it wasn't like it was like boom, 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 and then you had that out of nowhere. It was like into the turnbuckle, boot, crucifix, done, and it's like oh okay, <laughs> all right. And then Bulldog just walks back, like he's not even mad. He like right. hugs, hugs Diana and just walks really to the back. Just strange, strange way to end. A match that was like, I was into. It was wild. Like I said, it was like classic. a brawl. It was yeah, fighting each classic. other and blood yeah. and people was limping around. <laughs> it was all hell was breaking loose. And then it's like, whoop, done. Okay. All right. And Bret Hart is still your WWF champion. So there you go. We didn't go backstage for, I think they called it an In Your House Extra <laughs> with Todd Pettengill. He's back there with Paul Bearer and The Undertaker, who, of course, is the number one contender. They're happy. They're going to get the title shot, but Diesel walks in and he is pissed off because he thinks he should be the number one contender. Congratulations are in order. The Undertaker named the number one challenger. He will meet the hitman Bret Hart at the WWF Royal Rumble. Oh, yes, over and over again, the fans of the World Wrestling Federation have asked, when is the Undertaker (laughs) going to get a championship match? I never asked that. Royal Rumble is where it's going to happen. Oh. Uh, stand by just one second. What the hell's going on around here? Because <sighs> you beat Mabel, you're all of a sudden the number one contender? What's going on? <laughs> it's my title shot next. Oh, Big Daddy Cool, you haven't been very cool lately. <laughs> you haven't been very cool. <laughs> Why is he throwing quips out there as Paul Bear? me around here lately. <laughs> This is the way it's gonna be, huh? If it's gotta be, it has to be. As Brett's music is playing and they're staring right. down each other. Like, you're not very cool! We gotta get this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this soulful ass song. In your house. In your house? In your house? In your house? All right, cut it off before we get some type of copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Put enough of that. 
But that is In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings from the World Wrestling Federation. We dove all the into perfect it, man. Pa- I think the perfect pay-per-view ever. There hasn't been one that's been better. <laughs> I know you're speaking out of sarcasm, so I'm just going to let it slide. <laughs> a lot of, again, a lot happened on the show. We get a lot of Hog seeds pen, planted as well. Hogpin match, casket match, and a bloody <laughs> WWF championship match. And like you said, seeds planted because eventually, of course, we're going to get uh, uh, Undertaker versus Diesel at WrestleMania. Then, of course, we're going to get, I think, Diesel cost Undertaker the title, right? Is that yep. what happened? Yep. Uh, and then that's how we got that ball rolling. We got the ball rolling with Ahmed Johnson and Jeff Jarrett because that's going to be a thing moving forward. Goldust and Razor. Right, which that that wasn't a thing that lasted too long because Razor <laughs> didn't want to do it, but that was a the thing they're trying to start on this show. Like That's a why lot of Razor stuff didn't wasn't at WrestleMania, <laughs> right? So a lot of things were started on this show leading into the next year of 1996. But any final thoughts on seasons beatings in your house five? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You can follow me at underscore Picone on Twitter. You can follow Vaughn at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. And follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Shooters Radio to request any deep dive you would like, and we will fulfill it. So until next time, for Vaughn Johnson, this is Nick Picone. We'll catch you again next week.